Welcome to the One Crossing Podcast. Here you can find past sermons along with other exclusive content. Our prayer is that God will move in your life even when you are on the go. We hope you enjoy this message. Had a pretty rough week. My grill went to be with Jesus. Had that grill for 10 years. Um, I didn't have a lot of money when I originally bought it. It wasn't that nice. So I talked to the wife and thought maybe I could just get a, a, a pellet wood smoker. That it was time for me to start smoking some meat around the house, leading my family. I'm, I'm preaching the gospel already. So I, I got one. I couldn't afford the uh, Trader or Traeger, what all that is. Those of you who have it, God bless you. Um, hope you tithe. And um, uh, I was going to get the Louisiana one, couldn't afford that either, but I got the Pit Boss. And uh, I did ribs this week. I might, I might be a better uh, rib maker than I am a preacher. I'm just going to be honest with you. They were good for the first time. They are really good. I think that's the only time I've been that good at something for the first time ever. And uh, people can testify to the things I've done for the very first time. Uh, the problem is... Uh, I got done having the smoker, and I realized I don't have a grill now. And my wife uh, distinctly remembers me saying, and I don't think I said this, that if I get the pellet smoker, I don't need a grill. But I don't think I said that. I think I said I don't know if I need one. And fellas, uh, here's what I need you to do, men. I'm just talking to you. Before we even get into the message of the Word of God, my wife on Facebook um, is Jennifer John Hensel, I believe. Would you tag her when you get home of a photo of your backyard? Because I know that many of you, you have a charcoal grill, a gas grill, a smoker, a steamer. You got all kinds of stuff back there. And I, I need you to help my wife understand that it is okay for a guy who works hard, comes home, kisses his wife, puts his kids in bed, prays over him every day, it's okay for a guy like me to have two cooking things in my backyard. And I need your help on this, and I'm gonna take note of who are the people that uh, send my wife that message because I will do your funerals and I will say nice things about you. <laughs> I, I'm being serious. <laughs> that being said, I hope you had a great 4th of July to those of you at all of our locations, to those of you watching online, to those of you who are here for the very first time, I am so glad you came. And today we're gonna to talk about a difficult topic. Sometimes we stay in the shallow end and sometimes we, uh, you know, we jump into the deep end of the pool. And I'm gonna walk you through um, my second least favorite story in all of scripture. And there are some things inside of this story that mess with me theologically and they mess with me in my everyday life. And uh, part of the reason why it messes with me is there's no part of me that really wants to live out the things I'm gonna talk to you about. So if you're listening to this sermon and you're going, Clayton, I don't like this. I need you to know, you and me, we get each other. Because I don't like it either. But that doesn't mean we don't need it. It doesn't mean that it's not good for us. So, if you never swam in the deep end before, get some floaties, squeeze somebody's hand next to you, say, Mom, watch, 
because here we go. Genesis chapter six, verses five through eight. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on earth, and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I have created. And with them, the animals, the birds, the creatures that move along the ground, for I, everybody say this word, regret that I have made them. But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. At the end of the creation account, after God made the birds and the mountains and everything else, do you know what he said every time? It's good. After he got done making man, you know what he said? It's very good. That's Genesis 2. Four chapters later, God's going, I regret making them. Genesis 6, God regrets his decision. This is a theological quandary for those of you who spend time reading your Bible because the God who knows it all, who's never surprised, shows up in Genesis 6 regretting his decision. Going, I wish I hadn't made them. Parents, you can relate. <laughs> You've been there just for a little while. Like, I don't know if we should have made that one, <laughs> right? Yeah, Genesis 6, God's having one of those moments. He's going, I, well, why is he having this moment? Because he looks out and he looks into the hearts of the people that are walking on earth, and in their hearts is a desire to follow after every wicked thought. Some of you, <laughs> depending on what you watch on television or where you scroll through on Facebook, you might be wondering if God might be experiencing that same pain right now. Where everywhere you look, it's pretty damning and depressing. And you're going, so, you, I mean, the rainbow means you're not gonna destroy it again by water, but what are you gonna use? It just seems to me like the world isn't becoming more and more godly. In fact, it feels the exact opposite. However, as God surveys the entire landscape of the human race, everybody is horrible. And there's one guy who's a bright spot. Noah appears on the pages of Bible like a cool drink on a hot summer day, and he refreshes God. He's looking across the landscape, and God goes, everybody is wicked, and then there's Noah. Noah pleased God. How did Noah please God? Well, Hebrews chapter 11, verse six says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. If God were to survey the world today, I wonder if you and I would be refreshing to him. That's a tough question. Like if God were to look out and he were telling the story again, would you and I make the list? Would he go, there's Clayton, and he pleases me. 
When the Bible calls us to be the light of the world, that would make us a, a bright spot. I wonder if we would be the bright spot to God. And if you're like me, you actually want to be that for God. Like there's this part of you in your heart that you, you wanna please him. You wanna give God a reason to, to puff out his chest and be proud of the things that you're doing in your life and in your walk. You want him to look down and go, oh, that away. I like that. My wife does that with my boys. Every time she sees them doing something good, she'll, come here, come here. I saw you do that and it made me so proud. And my boys act like they've never done anything stupid before. They start walking, well, I mean, you know how it is with me, mom. And I'll be honest with you, that's exactly how I'd be with God. If I found out from him that I was doing something right and I pleased him, that I was a bright spot on his day, I'd, I'd have a hard time not bragging about it. There's a part of me, and I bet there's a part of you, that you'd like to give God a reason to smile across his heavenly face. So how do you do it? How do you please God? How do you put a smile on his face? Without faith, it's impossible to please him. So you have to have, everybody help me out, you have to have faith. So what is faith? Well, Hebrews 11 chapter, or chapter 11 verses one and two say, now faith is confidence in what we hope for, something we don't possess, and the assurance about what we do not see. You know what this makes us? Crazy. Makes us crazy people. We believe in things we can't touch. We have assurance in things we've never actually seen. And it's that assurance, it's that confidence, it's living in that reality that actually pleases God. This is where it gets tough for us. It's where it gets tough for me. It's when we have the confidence that what God says is true and whatever he says will come to pass will actually come to pass. It's an assurance of things we can't see. And Noah is gonna give us a perfect example of what that looks like. Genesis chapter six, verses nine through 13. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his time and he walked faithfully with God. Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Ham, gotta love it. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight and was full of violence. God saw how corrupt the earth had become for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. So God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people. This is why I don't like this story. To all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. You ready for the deep end of the pool? There's a truth about being a Jesus follower that a lot of us don't wanna to have to embrace. It's this, having faith in God means sometimes you have to walk alone. And that's hard for us. There may not be a better description of what it means to be a Christian than what God used to describe Noah. He calls him righteous. 
blameless among the people and walked with God. Righteous means his thinking and his conduct were godly. And his conduct around family and coworkers was above reproach and he was in step with God. Him and God were on the same page. But even though he was in step with God, he was out of step with everybody around him. He was alone. And isn't it so much easier for us to just go with the crowds? Hasn't that plagued us our entire lives? You have made fashion choices your entire life based on what you see other people wear. And then 15 years later, you see pictures of yourself in those outfits. And you go, what were you thinking? You weren't. You were trying to blend in. Mullets are coming back. Have you seen this? For 20 plus years, they were the butt of all jokes. Now they're in. My kids want one. And I have and given them my full support. Their mom is not buying in, but I'm like, boys, you're only gonna be young and dumb twice, so go ahead and get it. But here's Noah. He's standing out, and it's so much easier to go with the crowds than to stand with God. We'd rather blend in rather than stand out. We live in a world where everybody wants to stand out and blend in at the very same time. We live in a constant rush to the middle. It's the paradox that happens across summer camps all across the country. Kids go to camp and they get on fire for Jesus Christ. And by like the third night, they'll start saying this in group time. I wish I didn't have to leave. Because it's just so much easier to live for God when you're completely surrounded by everybody else who believes in God. They feel so in tune with God that they don't wanna leave. It happens to adults. Surveys show that after five years, the number of non-Christian friends that a Christian has plummets dramatically. That after you start your relationship with Jesus in five years, the chances of you having people who don't know Jesus that you invite over to your house, that you hang out with, will be almost zero. You know why? because it's just easier to be around people who think like you and talk like you and act like you and believe like you. We don't wanna be alone. It's easy during services at all of our locations for you to live for Christ and for you to be serious about your faith. However, it's when you leave the parking lot. It's when you're sitting in your chair at home late at night. It's when you're sitting at your desk or at the break room where you work, it's when it really counts that we choose to blend in. That's a big reason why most kids, when they graduate high school, it takes, they leave the faith altogether because they saw their parents demonstrate their faith in one way at church, but they never saw them live it out afterwards. And that dichotomy made kids go, it must not be that real. The thing that you hold that's precious to you, I know it is, it's precious to me, somehow never makes its way into the other parts of our life because when we go to those other parts, we blend in there too. It's because everyone would rather go with the flow with the, of the world than stand for the ways of God. We look through Facebook and we go, how did the world get this way? It's because everybody wanted to blend in. 
At my ordination, we sang a song, and one of the lyrics in that song was, though none go with me, still I will follow. And I hope and pray that I live out the truth of that verse. But there'll be times when you will have brothers and sisters and they will lock arms with you and you will get to take ground for Jesus in community. And when you do, you need to praise God for that. However, there will be times when God calls you and only you to do something. Having faith in God means sometimes you walk alone. Uh, here's another tough part. Having faith in God means sometimes doing things that don't make sense. God comes to Noah and says, I want you to build an ark, a really big boat. Noah doesn't live next to the water. Like within five days of the water. So he's gonna build it in his front yard. There's no way to get it to the water. God says it's gonna rain. There's a high probability that at this point in time, rain had never fallen on the earth. So Noah's trying to tell this to his wife, and he goes, well, it's gonna rain. And she goes, what's rain? Well, that's when water comes from the sky. Oh, okay. How are you gonna steer it? Well, it doesn't have a rudder. Okay. How are you gonna shut the huge door? I don't know. Be a pretty key element, you know, to keep the water out for you to be able to shut this huge door that all these giraffes and elephants are gonna walk through. Yeah, I know. But you don't know how you're gonna shut it? No, I don't. I think God will probably shut it. Oh, you think so? I'm a hoping. Where are you gonna go? I'm not real sure. Where are you gonna land? I don't know. How are you gonna open the door once you get there? Not real sure, babe. What are you gonna do? I'm just gonna build a boat. I mean, can you imagine? Everybody says they want God to talk to them. You sure? Man, I just wish God had a word just for me. Noah prayed that prayer. He started building a boat. What would that be like? But he did what God asked him to do because he believed that God's ways are higher than his ways. One of the things we forget as Christians is that we are crazy. We have crazy faith. There's a whole bunch of stuff that we do as Christians that doesn't make sense. Have you ever tried to explain the things that you do? For instance, have you ever tried to describe that? What'd you, what's gonna happen? I'm gonna get in the water. I'm gonna go under the water and I'm gonna come back up. And when I do, all my sins will be forgiven. And my name will be written in a heavenly book. And I'll be a brand new person. Say that again. Well, when I get baptized, God makes me brand new. Well, you're wearing the same stuff you wore when you got in there. And you look, ex well, I'm new on the inside. Sure you are. Have you ever tried to describe, well, we get baptized because we have faith that we believe that God does something in that act of obedience that changes us and our eternity, that changes our relationship with God. From the outside looking in, baptism doesn't make a bit of sense. But if you have faith, it makes all the sense in the world. 
Now, here's another one, communion. Have you ever tried to describe communion to somebody who doesn't have faith? Well, yeah, we get together and we have a little mini meal. What do you eat? Well, just a little piece of, uh, I don't even know what it is, actually. It's just something small that disappears as soon as it touches my tongue. And then, and then we wash it down with a little uh, piece of uh, great Welch's grape juice, usually Welch's if we can afford it. Sometimes it's not, it's Aldi brand. And <laughs> why do you do that? Well, to remember, to remember what Jesus uh, did on the cross. Communion doesn't make a lot of sense. But those of us who have faith, makes all the sense in the world. How about this, how about this one? That does not make sense. We live in a world that recoils from generosity. But here, some of you, you read the Bible, you do what it says, and you give 10% of what you make back to the church to, for him to use it to expand the kingdom of God. Have you ever tried to describe that to somebody? You mean to tell me you're gonna live on 10% less than, than what you make, and you believe you're gonna have more, and God's gonna take you further with 90% than he would with 100%. And those of us who are following God in this area of our life are like, yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't change it for the world. You know what that takes? It takes faith. How about this one? Purity. Waiting until you get married to have sex makes no sense. Zero sense to the world. Why would you? You're giving up some of your best years. I got married at 27. I looked way better at 20. Way, way better. I couldn't afford McDonald's every day of the week when I was 20. Now I can eat McDonald's whenever I want, and I do. 20-year-old Clayton was a good, better, I was better than what I look now. Waiting, you mean you're gonna wait and then you're gonna get, and then you're gonna, you're not gonna before you? No. You're not gonna test drive it? No. Buying sight unseen on this one, God doesn't make a bit of sense. I'm saving myself because I, I wanna honor God. You explaining that to somebody out doesn't make a bit of sense, but to those of us who have faith, keeping godly standards in your singleness, it doesn't make a lot of sense to the world, but it makes a lot of sense to people who have faith. What, what about this one? Choosing to give up a part of every single weekend to gather together with other Christians it doesn't make a lot of sense to the watching world. How about this one? Describe that one to somebody. Well, I close my eyes. Sometimes I don't, because sometimes I do it while I'm driving. And I talk to God. To who? To God. Okay. And he hears you? Yeah. Does he do what you asked him to do? Sometimes. Does he say no? A lot. But you still keep doing it? Yeah. Why? Because the people who have faith, praying makes all the sense in the world. But the people who don't have faith, makes no sense at all. How about this one? <laughs> Maybe we don't do this one, okay? Maybe we're like, yeah, I haven't got that far. I'm, I'm a level four Christian, Clayton. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, okay, let's just skip it, okay? I won't, I won't beat you up on that one. How about this one? Let's go with any, oh, dang it. Let's go back to loving your enemies, right? So they hurt you? Abused you? Broke you? 
What are you doing? Oh, well, I'm, um, I'm choosing to forgive them. Why? Well, because God, uh, God forgave me. Who did? God. Have you met God? Not really. You've seen him? Mm-mm, no. But he sent, his, he sent his son to die on the cross. Oh, you saw that? Well, no, I didn't see that either. But I believe it. Sounds an awful lot like we're building an ark, doesn't it? How about this one? Why are you serving? Well, because I, I want to treat people better than, than they deserve. Why are you serving? Well, because I, I believe that's how I honor God. Why are you serving? Because I want to help other people find a relationship with Jesus. Can we be honest? There's just things about faith that just don't make sense. Uh, here's another tough truth inside of this. Uh, having faith in God means obeying God for longer than you planned. <laughs> I mean, we can all be faithful for a short period of time. You know this, right? You've been on a couple diets, <laughs> right? You've made it through like two meals of carrots and kale. You're like, yeah, love this thing. I'm gonna be ripped. Meal three, I'll take a number one, large fry, large Coke, and a milkshake, right? Everybody can have faith for a short period of time. Um, it's saying no to ice cream forever that we're like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I, no, I can't do that. I will, we can all work out once or twice. It's doing it regularly that's difficult. Depending on how you count, Noah worked on the ark for between 50 and 120 years. Cutting down trees, sawing them in half, sticking them next to another plank and coating them with pitch for 50 to 120 years. Let's take the light road, 50 years, day after day. This ark ends up being over 100,000 square feet. How do you think that project impacted his marriage? Ladies, your husband has fixed up a 10 by 15 bathroom and it's still not done. Like he put the flooring in, but he never did the trim and like all of your light switches still don't have the cover on them. So you get a little hay every so often when you're still wet. That, yeah, that's your husband, Noah, without all of his DeWalt tools, for 50 to 120 years, is building a 100,000 square foot boat in the front yard, and it's never rained, and there's no water. I don't get it. You might have been trusting God for a while, but you gotta be honest with you. You feel like the payoff is a long way off like you've been doing things for God and yet you still don't feel like it's adding up. How long do I keep my standards high, God? Because I'm tired of being single. I'm not getting any younger. How much longer do I keep praying the same old prayer? How much longer do I have to keep living for you at work? How long do I have to keep being kind to people that are rude to me? Sometimes having faith in God means being faithful a lot longer than you anticipated. There's another one. 
And having faith in God means sometimes doing things that don't turn out the way you want them to. We're told in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, that Noah was a preacher of righteousness, but only Noah, his wife, his three sons, and his three daughters made it onto the ark. Eight people in total. For 50 to 120 years, Noah would preach sermons to his friends and coworkers and the people around him. And he'd go back to build an ark. Oh, listen, we would have made fun of Noah if he was building an ark in our day. And he preached to people he cared about and people he loved. But every inclination of the heart was evil. At the end of all of his work, there were only eight people. Now, granted, they were the most important eight people to him. You can see why I don't like this story. God calls him to do something, and it doesn't make a bit of sense, and it doesn't end up mattering a hill of beans to all the people around because nobody believed. No one joined him in the work. There was no miracle. There was no revival. There was no answered prayer. The only thing he had was his family. And that leads us to the next truth. Having faith in God is doing what he calls you to and trusting him with the outcomes. My problem is, I only like the first half of that statement. I just don't like the back half. I'm more inclined to trust God as long as I get what I want on the other side. I'll be pure as long as you give me a spouse. I'll witness for you at work as long as I get the promotion. I'll forgive as long as I don't get hurt again. I'll serve in ministry as long as people respond, get baptized, join us on mission. Lately, no doubt you've seen many famous pastors who've been brought down by scandal. For me personally, like I'm running out of heroes. I'll sometimes tell Jerry, like, why do these churches seem to grow like weeds when there's all this nastiness behind the scenes? I'll tell you a story. So 2019, uh, September of 2019, we had an all staff at our Lima location. We brought all of our staff in from all of our locations. And I'd felt it like big on my heart that I wanted to just see if anybody wanted to go on this journey that God had been impressing on me. And I was willing to go alone, but I said, hey, if you guys want to go with me, that'd be great. And I encouraged all of our staff to pray and fast and that we were going to go fast for an entire year, everybody taking turns. And we were gonna like rotate it and you could sign up anonymously, but we'd make sure that there was at least two people every day. And I, I think I've, I've communicated this before. I like food, right? So if somehow in my relationship with God, I'm going, I'm gonna go without food, we know that God's working, right? And uh, so I'm, I'm all jazzed and we're praying for all these incredible things to happen. Do you know how many of those uh, prayers got answered? Uh, not one. Uh, because in March, uh, we shut down our campus because there was uh, COVID. All the things we've been praying specifically for, banging on heaven's door for. I skipped ribeyes, T-bones, chips and queso, ice cream. I mean, I get angry when I don't eat. You can see that. I haven't eaten today. I'm And I'm going, God, you're you're gonna look down at our staff and you're gonna see all these people praying and fasting. And you know what you're gonna do, God? 
you're going to pour out a bucket of blessing on us we can't handle. Nope. Not a thing. Didn't answer a single prayer that we prayed. What I forget is that my job is to be faithful to God even when things don't turn out the way I want them to. And that's the part of our faith we don't like to talk about. Is that your job is just to do what God called you to do and trust him with the outcomes. We have to get to a point where we say, God, I'm gonna do what you asked me to do and I'm gonna leave the fruit up to you. You see, our job is to plant the seed and our job is to water the seed, but God is the one who's responsible for the growth. Our job is the faith. God's job is the fruit. At the end of the day, do I want what I want to have happen in this church? No. Do I want what God wants to have happen in this church? Yeah. I ultimately wanna do what makes God happy. And in order to make God happy, I have to have faith. And faith sometimes doesn't make sense. This is how James describes it. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, is, if not, is not accompanied by action, is, everybody say this word, dead. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds, and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. In other words, Noah's faith in God required him to build the ark. It wasn't enough just to say, God, I believe in you. He had to build something. You saying you believe in God doesn't mean jack squat unless you actually do something with that belief. Now, I don't want any of you to uh, get this twisted up in your heads. You're not saved by what you do. You're not. We are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Our works, our deeds are an expression of that faith that saves. Mark Moore, he came and spoke here a while back. He says it this way. Those who are trying to earn their salvation through works, they always go, is this all I have to do? They just wanna do the bare minimum. Is this all I have to do to get saved? But those who are living in allegiance to God, they go beyond belief into allegiance, ask a different question. They ask, what else can I do? In other words, I don't have to earn my marriage. I'm married. Nothing can change that. I live in a state of being married. So I don't do things to earn my marriage. I do things because I'm married. In other words, you don't do things to have faith. It's because you have faith that you do things. And some of us, if we were to be honest, we've had this belief in God but we've never started walking it out. And if Noah had never done it, his family wouldn't have been saved. And if you and I don't do it, who pays the consequence?
because it won't just hurt you, it will end up hurting the people around you. It doesn't mean it's not a tough road because you're gonna have to do things that don't make sense. You're gonna have to do things that take a lot longer than you originally planned. You're gonna end up doing things that don't turn out exactly the way you want them to. And in the end, it'll be worth it because you will have done what God asked of you. We're moving to a time of decision. Thank you for joining us. A special thank you to those of you that choose to give to this ministry. It's because of your generosity that this ministry is possible. You can click the link in the description to give now or visit thecrossing.net forward slash podcast for more information. If you enjoy the podcast, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends, tagging One Crossing on social media. Thank you so much for listening.